Hi, I'm Ellie and this is Greatest Beats, where the artists behind your favourite tracks from the harder styles share their memories of them. On this week's episode, I'm pleased to welcome an artist whose voice is perhaps the most recognisable in hardstyle. Performing at parties worldwide, he is the man behind many of your festival season memories. Welcome to Villain. We're here today to talk about your greatest beats, and we usually talk about three, but we're going to talk about four with you. So yeah, you're your villain, Aww. you're special. So yeah, <laughs> and so <laughs> we're going to start way back in the day in 2006 with a track that you did with D Block and Estefan, and it's called "Keep It Coming." Keep it coming. this one before uh, I made that track I was already like playing music and stuff like in 2002 yeah when I really was starting you know and I started buying tracks and buying records and after two years I finally had my first like small gig you know and uh, I started you know playing for people and after a while, you know, of course, I was trying to make some music and trying to get my name out there. But, you know, it was hard. But, you know, I keep on doing what I was doing. And, yeah, suddenly the hosting parties came by as well. And I had a little bit uh, like uh, immediately like a chance for a bigger audience through that. Yeah. Through the bigger audience, I came in contact with uh, with D Block. Yeah, uh, they were starting as well at that point, and uh, I was really a fan of his first release on uh, Straight On Records. Mm-hmm. And I told him that, like, "Hey, man, your sound is awesome," and he was really surprised. You know, like, you know, I, I was just right before them in the scene, so for them, for me, talking about their music in a, in a in a positive way was really like hey thank you so much you know we appreciate that and yeah for some reason we, we came in contact and he said like you know maybe it's cool to uh, to hang out in my uh in my little yeah bedroom studio yeah, yeah it was really his bedroom because uh diedrich uh, diedlock was still I think 15 years old or wow. something at that age and then uh the idea came for keep it coming the boys loved that and they said like hey let's my dad is like real technical yeah he had a he had a real studio so let's record in my dad's studio and uh let's see from there and then yeah it was just you know three kids having fun <laughs> fooling around and then keep it coming was there and we didn't have any expectation from it you know we were just doing what we always did and uh and yeah, you know, it, it had its release and it got picked up by so many producers and, uh, you know, the crowds, yeah, you know, singing along on the lyrics and stuff like that. It was really hyped uh, yeah. at, the, at, at that point. So that was the starting point of where my name became more known in to a wider audience. So that track is always kind of like where where I knew like now the ball starts rolling, you know? Yeah, and it must have felt really exciting to be at the start of that journey and getting that success and seeing the crowd reactions back. And it must have so many good memories for you of that time and early Hardstyle time as well. You were right there at the beginning of of Hardstyle really. So yeah, you must have so many good memories of that. We created the track in 2005 and it got released in 2006. So, you know, yeah, and, and I started from 2002. So it was a very long journey to that first uh, success, you know, like the first uh, uh, start where you really thought like, hey, this could be something, you know, I need yeah. to use this. I need to put more fire into it, show myself uh, and go for it, you know, and keep it coming, make that possible for uh, D-Block and Estefan and for me. So that's why we always, uh, you know, did a lot of releases afterwards, of course, 
after that as well. And yeah. you know, afterwards we had the part of the heart and, and, and evolutions and yeah. sound of thunder, you know. Yeah. And uh, it must be good working with friends. It must be good to be able to have that initial success with, with people that you're you're close to and, and you still are close to nowadays. You're very close to Yeah, 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 yeah. Still uh, still am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, of course they do their, their own thing, of course, and I'm doing my thing, but yeah, we still mm-hmm. we still perform uh, on stages everywhere, so together. So yeah, that's uh, always a pleasure. Yeah. Always a pleasure. Were you always a fan of dance music? Was it something that you always loved from a very young age that made you want to get into those scenes and come into Harsdale, eventually into Harsdale? And was it something that was always a part of your life, music and that kind of thing? It's hard to say, you know, because, you know, uh, my childhood was pretty much 90 music, of course. Um, So... Basically, yeah, because because happy hardcore was pretty popular in those days. And I, when I was uh, like twelve, I think twelve, eleven, twelve, thirteen, you know, DJ Paul L. Stock and yeah. and and uh, what is it? Two Limited, yeah. uh, you know, name those ninety uh, kind of happy hardcore Euro dance. So this is where where it all started. But to be honest, when I was uh, 15, it was more rap music and stuff, you know, you know, being cool. And yeah, yeah it's, 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 uh, it, it wasn't like, uh, in the nineties when I was listening to happy hardcore that I thought, Oh, I wanted to do something with this music. Yeah. No, of course I listened to it. I was really like, uh, you know, into the hardcore, uh, kind of happy hardcore stuff, uh, in the nineties. But when that kind of died, you know, yeah, I, I just took over with, with anything what the radio was playing much. And in those times, it was like, yeah, kind of like rap music as well. You know, in school, it was cool. Like Tupac, Snoop Dogg, <laughs> you know, it, yeah, you know, hanging with the cool boys, you know, like, <laughs> and, and, and yeah. And, and so I, I was basically more listening to that kind of music mm-hmm. um, until the day that my brother asked me to join him uh, to trans energy wow yeah and that was the point where i was like okay this this is pretty pretty dope (laughs) (laughs) this is pretty cool i think it was around 1999 or something 1999 2000 when i first uh, went to uh, trans energy i don't know if you know the event yeah uh i'd say it was really big trans uh, uh event in holland yeah but it was only like trans music you know, from Chesto to, uh, yeah, uh, Marco V, Johan Giele. Yeah. Uh, but basically that was the start of me that I was uh, amazed uh, by the whole thing and how, you know, the, the, yeah, the trance sound, uh, the, the, the ravey kind of sound as well, yeah, took over in, in, inside of me. Like, it's like, hey, I, I want to do more parties. I want to do it. I want to listen to this uh, music more often. So yeah. that is where, where it basically all started for me to like to become part of me a little bit. Yeah. And it's it's interesting when you say that you were into rap as a teenager, because in some sense, you've maybe brought a little bit of that part of your identity forward into what you do with Hardstyle and you rap and you, you create lyrics for this genre. So, yeah, it, it's really interesting to hear that about that part of you as well. And, and then you went on to do course, keep, it, yeah. keep it coming. What's your favorite earliest memory of Hardstyle? Do you remember your first live MC gig, for example? Do you remember anything like that? Well, to tell you how, because I started off as a as a DJ. Yeah, I, I was. I had a residency in Club Starlight. This was a club uh, near my hometown, and I had the ability to uh, or the opportunity to play once a month there in a small club and to play hard dance music it, it, it didn't have the name yet so it, it wasn't like hard style yet yeah. uh it was more like hard trance you know the, the mm-hmm. k tress it uh, uh warm doucher techno boy of course uh yeah. that kind of sound and what i always did is because this is what was typical at the q dance parties in those days like ruffian there was always an mc yeah. And I had the opportunity to play music in, in a little club. I always grabbed the mic 
you know, it wasn't, wasn't special. It was just, yo guys, put your hands up. (laughs) But it wasn't common in clubs. Maybe, you know, it's it's different, uh, of course, in in, in Scotland and in the UK in those times, but not, not in our clubs, you know? So the owner of the, of the place, he liked that, you know, people were hyped up because of that. There was a time that uh, he asked me like, Hey, I'm interested in booking uh, Lady Dana oh, yeah. uh, for the the main hall of the club. Uh, sh- shall I do it? At first, he was always skeptic about it, you know, because the hardcore shit and stuff. Because the hardcore well, had a very bad name in yeah. clubs, of course, you know, because it tra- it tracks gabbers, uh, yeah. you know, people in uh, in 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 in, um, in in sports clothing and and shaved yeah. bald heads. But I always told him, no, man, that, that time is gone. It, it's, it's not there anymore. So it's a different crowd now. And when he saw me play, he really saw that it was really hyped by the young kids. So he thought, like, after a little while, okay, let's book a bigger DJ. And then he started uh, booking, like, yeah, Lady Donna, Pavo, Techno Boy, Luna. And what I always did is, like, I always announced them because it was so common at the, at the Q dance parties as well. And this is where the whole emceeing thing started rolling a little bit because it started as a kind of like a joke, you know, because like, Hey, Starlight, what's up <laughs> next DJ in line. Are you ready? Uh, are you ready for <laughs> Lady Donna? Uh, and everybody like, yeah, you know, and, and, and the owner, he loved it. He said, bro, you need to do that every week for me, for every DJ, for, for you know, <laughs> even not only hardstyle, but oh, as well, club, housey, techie, you know. So I did like, uh, you know, for, for DJ Jean and, 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 you know, guys like that. I just announced them and that's it. I just announced them and that's it. And I, I get some money for that. And this is how the whole thing started rolling. And I thought like, hey, you know, I can do more with that. That's actually interesting that you talked about that because, like you say, hardcore always had that really big. Even in Scotland, there's it, there was a reputation of uh, attracts trouble and so on, and it is very much trying yeah. to get people into believing in the harder styles. I think sometimes because they think, oh, it's it's not worth the effort. In that period, they were right, of course, because the Gabber scene was kind of messy and was too underground, and it was kind of like the wrong people, uh, you know, but, uh, when hardstyle was coming up, like in, uh, through Q dance, it was a different crowd, you know, it, it wasn't like gabbers anymore, you know, it, it was just normal people, you know, ravers looking for a good rave party. And yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so it, it changed after the whole gabber culture, uh, in the nineties in, 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 in Holland. So in 2000, so yeah. And from there on, you know, we had a basic like uh, commercial kind of scene that has been created by Q-Dance, of course. So, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing to hear that. That's fantastic. Wow. Thanks for sharing those memories with us, because I'm really fascinated by that. It's really interesting to hear how you began um, back in the day. So there were a few DJs that inspired me. Uh-huh. And the first one was Tom Harding. I don't know if you know oh, him. I'm not sure if I do. Vague, vaguely think I do. Because, yeah, vaguely. Because Tom Harding is from the UK. Yeah. And he, he, he played UK Hard House. Yeah. Because in the beginning phase of Q-Dance, uh, Q-Dance was, of course, playing a little hard trance, but as well, the UK Hard House. Yeah. So uh, they had like Captain Tin Rip, uh, a lot of on their events. John the Dandis. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, so it was kind of a mix of the UK sound and yeah. the German sound and the Italian sound that created the foundation of, of Q-Dance. And in the beginning, when I was still not going to the, to the first Q-Dance uh, parties like Club Tempo, I always went to, um, yeah, the UK Hard House yeah. uh, events from, from Tom Harding. Wow. So, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, it was kind of the UK sound as well that, that, uh, inspired me to become, uh, like to play music. And after, yeah. after, after Tom Harding, it was Lady Donna that uh, really got me into the, to the hard style of Q dance. So, 
Oh, brilliant. That's really good to know that you got inspired by yeah. UK music. So, yeah, the Hard House, yeah. I remember those days. It was massive back then, Hard House, Hard Trance. Um, so, yeah, yeah, definitely. And that moves us nicely on to your second choice of song, which is from 2009, a little bit later in time. And it is also with D-Block and Estefan, and it is Sound of Thunder. Now, tell us a little bit about this one and why you chose this one. It takes the evil excitement Heavy noises are taking you under It takes the evil excitement Heavy noises are taking you under The sound of the thunder It's a little bit attached to the first one to keep it coming, of course, because it's again with Deep Lock and Estefan. But like I told you about keep it coming, it was the you know the start of it all. Yeah. And it would and that was in 2006. So after after you know we had 2007, 2008, we worked really hard, of course, uh, to create uh, more music. And of course, we did with part of the heart. But then with Sound of Thunder, we had another giant big hit. It was really huge. Then it was like, you know, just a, a big mark on your career. Like, okay, you know, here we go again. You know, like <laughs> how far can we go up, 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 up. So for, for, for us, I think Sound of Thunder, and it still is nowadays, it's still been played by a lot of people, of course, in a kind of remix way. Uh, but it's like, yeah, it was really important, you know, to, uh, to again, to drop a big hit in that period to put your name out there uh, even uh, even and even in a better way so that's why uh sound of thunder is very very important for me uh and and uh, was in my career so yeah definitely i think 2009 is around about the time that i started to listen to hardstyle and yeah it's, mm-hmm. it's of that time and so many good memories of good nights and fun times jumping around to yeah. the songs like that so yeah yeah, yeah yeah absolutely i have to ask you is that you singing at the start of it is it you're singing yeah. yeah it's interesting to hear that you sing and you rap and you are actually incredibly talented with what you do and and how you add to the songs i think sometimes there's a stigma around vocalists and mcs and stuff that a lot of times people don't think that we do a lot or that we don't add mm-hmm. to the tracks. And I think that's yeah. very untrue of you. I think you're very, you do, I mean, I've worked with you before and I know how much effort you put into the tracks and how much time you take to create them with the producers as well. And I think yeah. that this is a really good example of that, this track. Yeah, we just say that's yeah, true. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but, but, but it is true, you know. So, uh, yeah, sometimes as a host or a vocalist, yeah, you, you don't always get the, the, the credits. Yeah, the people always say a little bit like, oh, you, you, you're that vocalist, uh, or you, you only did the vocal, you know, like, hey. Yeah, you know, sometimes it could be like that, you know, uh, with some people, but I always try, and that's what my colleagues always uh, know about me, is that I'm really involved in, in the whole process and uh from start to finish, you know, it's not like, okay, you're here, you have my vocal, I will hear it when, uh, when the track is done. No, 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 yeah. it's, it's never been like that with me. So in the beginning phase, I always needed to fight for my place, you know, and yeah. to, you know, to, uh, to show like, Hey, listen, you know, I have rights as well. I have something to say. Because in the beginning, not only the best one, but the best one was always good, you know, but when I started doing with other guys, like maybe like the prophet, you know, I, I became part of his label. And then in the beginning phase, it was always for me, it was just a hobby. But after a while, people started saying, hey man, you need to, um, uh, to you know, to sign your contracts better because I see that uh, you only earn nothing on, on those tracks. And I was like, oh, do I need to sign a contract? Nobody ever gave me a contract. And then I came about that for years and years, they never sent me any contracts. They just fill in like, oh, this is for villain, 10%. (laughs) And after so many years, after five years, I came 
you know, I, I, I discovered that and I was like, what the fuck guys, did you fucking rip me off? (laughs) You know, like, I think sometimes as well, we are as vocalists, we are kind of forgotten when we contribute our vocals and lyrics and stuff. Like, as you say, and it's very hard to to tie people down and say, okay, yeah, well you owe me X amount and I did this amount of work. And, and I think it, yeah, Yeah. it is a very, I think a lot of people don't realize that just how much work goes into telling people, okay, the thing is, is that in Holland, I don't know how it works in, in Scotland or in the UK, is that uh, you have like 50% of the track is for the producer. Uh-huh. He can claim that all. It's 50% him. But if someone just is writing this or a, a, a little longer vocal, he has 50% of the track. 50. Yeah. It's been written down. It's, it, that is the legal procedure. Yeah. But for some reason, in our scene, like the prophet, yeah, because he owns a record, he just makes his own rules and say, like, oh, I think I'm entitled to write in your writing part. Because if you see, if, if you look at the credentials, you will see that, for instance, that the prophet, if, if he made a track with uh, a vocalist, he always writes as well inside the percentage of the vocalist. So he earns 50%. Plus a little extra in the part of the 50% of the, of the writer, because he thinks he's entitled to, because he spent a lot of time working on the track, but actually by law, it's, if, if I, I can sue him for that, if, if I want to, because I could say, no, 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 dude, you did, did nothing, nothing in the lyrics. You produced the track, of course, all credits to that. But you didn't wrote or write anything about the lyrics, so I can sue you because you are taking a piece of my cake right now. Yeah, absolutely. And in that, in the in the beginning part, I really needed to fight for that position. I really had like really long discussions with Dove, the prophet, about that. You know, like uh, we we all good now, but you know, of course, we are talking about what is it? You know, two thousand eight. You know, periods. He understands it now, but in that period, he was really like, you know, no, a vocalist doesn't make the track. Uh, okay, then, uh, then take my lyric out. You know, yeah, simple as that. Take it out. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right, yeah. and it's it's quite scary uh, how many producers do that. Um, I've heard stories of that from other producers who who do take a writing credit as well when they have it. Yeah, but 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 listen, you know, it, it's all it's all starts with how you make a deal with someone. Yeah. If, if, if I, uh, uh, you know, we, we did tracks before as well together yeah. and, you know, I just ask you, okay, how do you want this? You know? And, and that's how it needs to be yeah. because you can go in many directions. You can say, okay, I prefer a flat fee. And if you're down with that, Hey, it's, it's a done deal. Yeah. Right. But if you say, no, listen, I want to ride in the track you know, we can discuss what you write in the track, but don't, I'm not going to say, oh, uh, you have nothing to say. And I just think in the end, like, oh, you just own, I think you owe me, I owe you 10% in this track. No, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. And that's how, how, how in the beginning, you know, they never sent me a contract because of this reason, because they thought like, oh, we think you're entitled to this little piece. Yeah. And we leave it by that. No. And yeah. So I needed to fight for, for, uh, you know, for my position a little bit like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not cool with that, you know? And yeah, that's good that you did um, that though. I think that really has helped you to be the professional that you are. You've laid your, your lines very early on in your career and said, no, this isn't, this isn't right. And people know they can't just walk over you. I think that's a really good thing that you did that. No, well, yeah, it, I, I think it's good not only for me, but for the rest of the uh, vocalists as well, or maybe MCs that are in tracks, because now it's all been better arranged, you know? Uh, there are, th- 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 there's more information right now because, you know, I have learned, I, I, it's just like learning driving the bike, you know? You, you, you start, you fall, you learn, you jump back up, you know? Yeah. And, and now we and now we have created a scene that I can pass on to other guys like, hey, listen, 
if you do a track because sometimes I get a lot of questions from other guys like hey uh, how do you do this or how do you do that or uh, uh, can you give me tips or you know anything like that and I always say like hey pay attention to what you're writing and what is your part in the track and you know always uh, make good arrangements from the start not after because after it always sucks it's always like then you get misunderstandings and I like, know I think you are entitled to this no you know, and then you come into a kind of like a fight, you know, and uh, I think, you know, if you start a track, always start with, hey, listen, how do we deal with, uh, you know, yeah, the credentials in the track and the percentages in the track. So, yeah, that's brilliant. That's yeah. really good advice for everyone listening as well that's thinking about starting out. That's really good advice for them to hear, I think, to make their mark and, yeah. In the beginning, it's always like a hobby, so people are not like... yeah. Uh, not thinking about like, oh, I want to earn money with this, you know? So that, that, that sometimes yeah. uh, uh, it isn't working, of course, because, but, but I always told it, tell them, hey, listen, if you write something, claim what is yours, you know? Or, or openly discuss it before you start recording or before you start making that track because, you know, it's, it's always good to start fresh and that, uh, everybody uh, uh, has their eyes in the, in, the, in the same direction. And, you know, you can make a track uh, without any problems then. Yeah, brilliant. That's that's perfect. Yeah, it's a good way of saying it. And you are right. It's hard. Sometimes people treat it like a hobby and then they don't realize that, yeah, they have to really... Be yeah, you can earn some money with it as well, you know, yeah. and you're entitled to, to, to that because that, you know, a track like keep it coming you know yeah it's there forever now so you know yeah uh, you can earn some money from that as well yeah like in years and years to come you know the little royalty statement comes through and you're like oh there we go yeah (laughs) exactly just little bits but (laughs) little bits with all those tracks together is still okay money you know yeah yeah. definitely and you, you put the time in you put the effort in I mean, you deserve yeah. to be paid for that. Exactly, yeah. So over the years, I would say that like from 2009 onwards, that's when you've really became a massive, massive star. Like That's the best way to describe you. Like I think we could describe you as probably being the, one of the voices of Harsdale because you have such a recognisable voice for Q Dance mm-hmm. and so on. And would you say that from that 2009 onwards, that's when your star continued to rise and you became massive and you've started to do more festivals more parties and what are your memories of those times and your favorite memories really of traveling and everything that came after this 2009 era yeah you know it it has been a long journey and and i always took everything step by step the thing that i just told you the music part you know coming up for myself and my colleagues of course and as well like uh, because mcs on stage that do their thing sometimes as well you know are not being paid well and stuff like that so you know uh, step by step I, i was trying to make all that a little bit better for everybody and you know yeah throughout the years you know i just did my thing and waited for the right moment to you know to yeah be noticed to, 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 yeah to be noted but of course i was already noticed people always knew me but i was i wasn't doing the the, the main stages and stuff like that you know in, in uh, uh like defcon or something uh, because it was always ruffian and after ruffian it was dv8 and after DV8, I came about. So I just waited for the right moment. And I, I, I just kept on like, hey, you know, just do your thing and, you know, the best that you can. And then eventually something will come by for you. And, you know, I think that happens around somewhere, I think, yeah, 2011, 2012, yeah. The really uh, stuff really started picking up, and then of course Q Dance was booking me more and more and more often, and they saw what I could do, and I was creating all these new hypes, hosting, and um, yeah, you know they saw that it was it was different, and that's why they were yeah you know were quite a fan, and in that way they gave me uh, more and more opportunities to prove myself, and I think every opportunity that they ga- gave me, you know, I always g- yeah give it my best and uh, give that a thousand percent, and yeah, and then slowly but surely, you know, I took over, and Q Dance 
yeah, was starting believing me and they saw that I put a lot of efforts in everything that I do that I didn't see, uh, saw before with other MCs like Ruffin as well. Ruffin of course is a great host, but sometimes they tell me as well, you know, like, uh, yeah, you do so, so much off stage as well, talking, trying to be, to improve, trying to be better, trying to make us better, you know? And, and that's what they really appreciate, uh, I think, about me, is that I always try to be top everything, you know? Like, okay, this was not 100%, so we can do that better if we do this or do that, you know? I was discussing with you then what we can do better uh, together. And yeah, slowly but surely, uh, yeah, we grew more and more towards each other. And I think it was in 2014 or 13 that they really started like, hey, you know, Mikey is our guy, you know, like, uh, sorry, but yeah, yeah, let's get him main stages. Yeah. So, yeah. Definitely. I think and the way you describe it, it sounds like they really see the potential for their business having you on board because you took their business seriously. It wasn't really just that you went and did a show and um, performed. You really, you tend to see the potential for them as a business. And I think that's probably what they saw in you as well, that you were an amazing performer. Well, you know, you you got to see it like um, sometimes you need to bring the fire, you know, and probably they saw that fire in me. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, and we need to use that, you know? And so for me, it was much more than just a performance. And yeah, probably that kind of energy, they they love that. And that's like, hey, we need a guy like that, you know, uh, in front of everything of us. And we need a guy with more eyes, not only two, but more eyes mm-hmm. on stage. That's why they, you know, they trusted me with uh, with the bigger events and you know yeah now it's it's yeah for years now it's uh yeah i'm still there (laughs) (laughs) basically i'm still i'm still there so yeah i think as well you have a really good rapport online as well and i think the fans really you know they link to you they warm to you and you are very good with your social media presence as well which really started to sort of become yeah. a big thing around at that time as well and you, when you were starting to get the main stages and so on yeah that helped as well of course you know and with social media social media can sort of be like a double-edged sword as you say it can some be mm-hmm. really good but sometimes it can be really bad how do you deal with the yeah. negative how do you deal with any negatives that you get back or is it all positive is it all good yeah no 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 no, no. of course no that's both <laughs> Shit, of course. No, 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 no. There are a lot of people out there that don't like me, of course. Um, yeah, you know, sometimes it's, it's shit. Of course, it's shit, you know. Uh, and of course, I'm, sometimes it gets you. But yeah, you know, sometimes I'm trying to, to talk to those people. Yeah. In, in a friendly way, you know. And I, I try to approach them and try to understand where the frustration is coming from and how they how they look at me and where it's coming from you know because sometimes i really don't get it because yeah yeah of course the, the main thing is always yo you talk too much yeah i get told that that's, all the time. That's, <laughs> that's that's the main thing it's, i can only say one thing in dutch and it's ik praat veel and that is literally <laughs> that's the only thing i can say in dutch i don't know how that feels so. yeah you know it's and and i always try to uh you know what i hear from from other artists is that, that yeah they always say yeah yo, your power is that you speak on the right moments you know and then i hear people from the crowd yeah you speak too much and in, on the wrong moments and i always try to to connect with those people and trying to figure out like you know, what is really frustrating them. And of course, maybe it's to learn as well, because, you know, every, uh, how do you say that? A critic can help you yeah. a little bit. Not that you need to learn more, but it's more like, okay, you know, you, you, you take it with you a little bit and you try to, to put everything even in more, in a balanced way, you know? And, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Sometimes I, I really reach out to those people and have a chat with them and, uh, not with everybody, of course, but sometimes really when I really think like, hey, dude, what, what is this bullshit? You know, like, okay. And I reach out to them in a friendly way and, you know, try to connect and, and, and trying to level with each other in some way. And a lot of times it works and people really appreciate that. 
uh, like, hey, you know, I really appreciate, I didn't thought about you in that kind of way, like that you really, you know, trying to listen sometimes. And, you know, yeah, yeah. people don't expect that. And uh, I, I still do that sometimes. So, yeah. I think that's a really brave thing to do as well, to see criticism and rather than just ignore it, which like a lot of people would do, you, you take it on. It's yeah. very, very brave to take on people and say, hold on, why do you feel like this? And to try and yeah. learn from it and to like to see if there maybe is some common ground there. Exactly. And that's, it's, a very, yeah. it's a very brave way to, to do that. And yeah, I really respect that. I think that's a, a good thing to do and a good way to handle it because you are well, right. You know, I, I, Everybody does it on his own way, of course, you know, but uh, for me, it's just uh, trying to understand the other, because you know, they, they look at me in, in some kind of way and I'm just trying to figure out in what kind of way and where am I annoying and uh, is, is it my looks, is it my behavior, is it my voice, is it, you know, so in that way, I'm learning as well about myself from the critics and uh yeah. you know some that that can relief a little bit as well uh and of course i'm relieved as well to find some common ground with those people and to show them like that i'm not what they think i am you know because a lot of people think oh a tough boy you know like yeah. uh, trying to be cool and then they see my different side and they my personal side and then say like, Hey, I, I, I didn't knew that you were like oh, pretty friendly. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Like, uh, yeah. You know, I, I didn't expect that. So yeah, you know, yeah. in the end I'm just Michael and you are just you. And mm. yeah, of course I, I, I do stuff on stage uh, for a lot of people, but doesn't make me any different than you so uh, I'm never too old to learn huh? <laughs> yeah that's a good way to look at it it definitely is uh, I yeah. think that's been yeah amazing to hear about that really and, and yeah very brief sometimes you can find yourself in a dark place and all you really gotta do is stick your chest out keep your head up because I know it seems hard sometimes to find your way out but remember to every dark night there's a brighter day after that so that moves us on to the next track which is from 2017 and it's a track that you did with audio tricks and it's called world is mine now i i really yeah. like this song i think the lyric is so relevant to the world today i think in general there's not a lot said about you know i think parties and raves you can sort of it's a way to lose your your head and to just to just let go of everything that's maybe becoming too much and I, I think that lyric in this song really speaks to that of what people may be going maybe going on in people's lives really is that was that the meaning you had behind it yeah yeah pretty much it was it was just like yeah it's not always sunshine and rainbows you know and uh and we always try to pretend that it is yeah. but it's not it's it's simply not but yeah you know uh in the end, doesn't matter what you are facing, it always becomes a bright day again and with new opportunities and to, you know, to keep your head up and to try to keep on moving forward because, uh, yeah, you know, it cannot always be darkness and uh, try to find uh, that uh, that bright daylight again. And yeah, that's what's really the attention of, uh, yeah, and, and the idea behind the track, yeah, to do something with that, so... Yeah, and it really is nice. And it's good to hear someone speaking about that and being honest about, you know, um, mental health and people too often just try to ignore it and avoid it. It's, it's good to hear you speaking out about that through your music. Yeah. Um, what are your memories of this song? Why was it you chose this one? Because there's two songs that you couldn't choose between and this was one of the first ones. So yeah. what what is it that you love about this song? Well, I wrote that lyric and at first I showed it to some people and they're like, nah, I don't know, I don't know. And then I came across audio tricks and they, the guys are like, Hey, we, we love it. And they really made a, a really cool break. And it was really something, yeah, something new in that period, you know, in, in that kind of way. And at first we thought like, ah, 
you know, it's going to just going to be a track, you know, let's release it. And that's it. But the track really got picked up and it became a big hype. And now if you look at my Spotify, it's my most listened track ever that yeah. I created, you know? So, so that's why it's kind of special to me. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. You know how, how it all started with the track, you know, a few producers said no to the lyrics yeah. And yeah, there was audio tricks and yeah, those guys were kind of new, uh, as well. Uh, but they were really, uh, you know, hyped up at that moment. And yeah, we just started fooling around and there was, uh, the world is mine and it became a, a huge hit and yeah. it still is because it's, it, it's still a lot of people are listening still nowadays <laughs> that track, you know? Yeah. If, if, if I open my Spotify, it's still my most listened track. Yeah. Old tracks. And it just takes that one person to believe in an idea because I have, I think I can relate to that a little bit in the sense that I have written a lyric before that people were just like, nah, same sort of theme as, as this song. And a lot of mm-hmm. people are, are unsure of taking on a lyric like that. But it just needs that one person to say, yeah, I see the potential and to make something yeah. beautiful of it. And as you say, the fans exactly. have really taken to it and it's believing yeah, in yourself. It, I, yeah, because at first everybody, because we release a track and of course you ask your colleagues, you know, hey, I have a new track, uh, listen to it, what do you think? And we got a lot of like, yeah, yeah, it's good, but yeah, probably not for me. Yeah. And you know, and we and we just thought like, yeah, fuck it, you know, we, we're just going to do our thing with it and uh, that's it. But it became a huge hit uh, with the people, so it, it's it's funny story you know how things can can go uh, eventually so that's why it's and of course it's my most listened track still nowadays Mm -hmm. so that's why it's it's yeah it's uh it's kind of special yeah definitely and the other track that you couldn't choose between is from 2018 and it is a song that you did with sound rush and it's called one Why is what what is it that you love about this song? Why is this one so hard to choose between the two? Yeah, because yeah, Defcon is kind of special for me, of course, you know, Defcon. Yeah. And uh we got asked to make a track for the end show. So that was kind of like huge. And of course we uh, yeah, you know, uh was kind of stressy, like, okay, can we pull this off? Yes or no? You know, will they like to track? You know, will, will, will they dig it? Because it was, yeah, a huge favor, of course, you know, to, uh, to be played in the DEFCON end show with, with a real produced end show track. It yeah. was never been done like that before, you know? So, so the, yeah, the stakes were high, but we did it. And I think I, I was really proud of the results that we, uh, uh, that, that we uh, pulled off there. And QDANS loved it. They really, really loved it. And the crowd loved it and everything, everything felt in place. And yeah, of course it's still kind of new track, you know, 2018. And, but we we still play that track and it's really, really big. And it really has that DEF CON feeling because of the, you know, everything becomes one. Yeah. Yeah. DEF CON one, the the unity uh, of the people on the floor uh, yeah, it was really like, yeah, everything came together in that song. And, and that's why I'm still like pretty proud of, of the results and, and that it's still, of course, yeah, people still love hearing it. It's still being listened a lot of times on, on Spotify. So yeah, I'm, I'm really happy about that, uh, release yeah. and what, what kind of feeling it brings out of the song. So yeah, just what you said about DefCon there, um, would you say DefCon is your favorite event to be a part of? Because DefCon is amazing, it really, really is. And you've done it all over the world. You you have a massive following in Chile, for example. You're 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 very yeah. very well respected in Chile, and DefCon has been. Yeah. You are 
the 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 embodiment of um of DevCon one in some ways I think as well. And also Power Hour. You know, Power Hour is this incredible, amazing thing. I remember my first Power Hour and I was like, what is going on? You seem to really enjoy when you're on a stage, you always seem to really enjoy what you're doing. And that is really evident when you're at DEFCON, you just seem to look like you're having so much fun. Would you say that's true? Yeah, it is true because DEFCON is, when it moves from out of Almere Strand towards Biddinghuizen and, and the campsite became bigger and bigger and more important, you know, uh, the hype around the festival became bigger and bigger. And that's why it definitely from something like 2016, 2017, it really yeah, got into a kind of like a, huge uh, uh, elevator that went up and up and up and yeah defcon is you know start to finish you know uh for instance i i did intense festival it's an amazing festival of course amazing stages and uh of course i don't want to miss it as well but it's different it's different it is because defcon is like everybody is there every day to party you know like not to like uh Come on, man! No, 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 because because uh, and, that, and that's all because of the people that go to the to the campsite. Because people are so so hyped up to uh, uh, to do anything that we can, you know. It doesn't yeah. matter, you know. Uh, we will, we're going to build a party. And yeah. for instance, if you, I did this Saturday. I did intense, and there are a lot of day people there, you know. Yeah. Too much actually and that's fine and of course that's fun as well but day people are like like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know not going wild or anything like hey keep keep it cool man keep it cool <laughs> hey man what the fuck man we, we are here to fucking rage you know come on let's yeah. let, let's get it and yeah defcon is like start to finish is like three days insanity you know on, on every stage people are like constantly with their hands up constantly jumping dancing moving doing whatever yeah to build the awesome party ever yeah it's always got a really good vibe as well i don't think i've ever seen trouble or any hassle at defcon and i've stayed in no, the camping yeah, you know, and yeah. Yeah, it, it's got a really good, and it has got busier and busier over the years. When we first went, there wasn't nearly as many people as you get now. And it's, no. it hasn't diminished its power. It's a really amazing venue. And you are a major part of that. You are the the icon of that with being on stage and presenting and emceeing and, yeah, and power hour. Yeah, which is mad. Yeah. So did you, did you saw the movie? Yeah, I, I really I love Power. I think I remember the first Power when I went to. There was some kind of um, like airplanes that like I remember standing and and Defcon yeah. and then this airplane did massive skydive as if it was crashing and I was like, oh my gosh, what's going on? I was I was quite scared <laughs> and then it, it did a big pull up and then flew away and I, and I was like, oh that that's part of Power. And, so, and it's really yeah. hard to describe to people who haven't been there what it's like and it is really just go go and and, and see it and feel yeah. it and yeah and you yeah, really it's, it's 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 a it's a different energy it's not it's not comparable with uh yeah with anything you know of course there are a lot of good uh, festivals out there amazing festivals as well but it's all about that, that certain energy that that is uncomparable that's why you know to to make an example people always ask yeah what, what do you have with the with the chilean people you know it's and i always tell them like those people are bringing a kind of energy that that is next level and yeah. that's why I, I love them to death you know like what is this <laughs> this is insane you know the, the the appreciation that those people have you know what you do and you you can feel that you know you cannot buy that you know it's it's yeah you know <laughs> it's, it's just what it is yeah yeah it's lovely to see how many people give that love back to you from all over the world especially chile and would, would you say that the defcon vibe is the same no matter where because you've got defcon australia defcon chile and defcon holland is it the same wherever you go in the world is it that same good feeling of good times well to compare like like the dutch with the aussies it's a little bit different of course but yeah. it's still amazing. But yeah, you know, the holy ground is still, of course, in uh, 
in Holland. Uh, Chileans, you know, are next level as well, you know, to say it's, of course, the Aussies are amazing as well, but it's different. It's different, but they go for it as well, you know, but it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's impossible to describe uh, uh, what's going on with that feeling in yeah, at DEFCON 1 in, in Holland, you know, and, and how that come comes about and, you know, uh, it's, 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 it's impossible. It's just, just a thing that you need to witness and feel for yourself and say like, ah, this is what, what he was talking about, you know, like this kind of craziness, like what the fuck <laughs> is it? What's going on here? Yeah. Where am I? <laughs> yeah, totally. Absolutely. So what do you think the future holds for yourself as villain? Cause we've just obviously came through the pandemic, which, you know, I, I know you found really, really difficult as lots of people did find very difficult. What Now we're coming out that other side of it. What do you see yourself doing? Do you see yourself in 20 years time still jumping about on that stage, still giving it big licks <laughs> and doing your thing? What, what where do you see yourself going? Um, well, you know, of course, I don't have I, I don't have uh, the ability to see in the future, but yeah, yeah of course, I, I hope to continue, of course, as long as I can. Mm -hmm. But you know, I'm always busy with improving and discovering more uh, about myself, and of course, uh, with the music part, and of course, the pandemic has showed me like I, I need to produce more music because in the end, you know, there will be a day that uh, the performance part will stop. Yeah. But the music, you can keep on going with that, you know? So, uh, so this pandemic has taught me one thing is that, you know, you need to produce more music. You need to put your name more out there uh, in, uh, for everybody to, to, to see. And so I think in the future, I will do that more often, more tracks, that I did before the pandemic. So, yeah, yeah, you know, and, 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 and I'm just doing being me, what I always do. And of course, maybe a little bit more playing music again, how it all started, maybe yeah. something that is a thing that, uh, uh, you know, that I can work on. So maybe you can see something for me, uh, for the, yeah, from out of that in the future. So, yeah. um, That'd be really interesting. Just keep on being you. <laughs> I'm just catching vibes and uh, yeah, yeah, fun. yeah. That, that, that that's basically the reason why I still love doing because I got this question asked me a lot this uh, this uh, this last week because uh, some colleagues and uh, uh, some guys, of course, that follow me, uh, they saw that I on Wednesday I had a festival on Thursday I had a festival Friday I have a festival. Sun, uh, Saturday I had a festival and on Sunday so that's five days in a row yeah. and not just one hour play but yeah, you know festivals Sunday. from eight hours nine hours you know like yeah. and they say Mikey dude <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you do that and I, I always tell them like dude it, you know I love what I do that's that's the thing and if, if you don't love what you're doing yeah, it's, 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 of course, it becomes a pain in the ass and, you know, you become tired and stuff like that. And oh, oh, again, you know, and no, but I really enjoy uh, what I'm doing. And this is my power, what I try to transcend on every stage, you know, like, yeah, it, it, that keeps me young that keeps me sharp that keeps me energetic that keeps me yeah. dedicated so and that's all because of the people of course because and the ability to perform for people and i really enjoy what i do so i don't fake it so i think that is key in you know keep on doing uh yeah what you do for a long time this has been Greatest Beats. I hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have, don't forget to share and subscribe and tell your friends. Let them know we're here. I'm Ellie. It's been great having you. Join me next time for another three Greatest Beats.